Welcome to the Chopped Guillotine Fantasy Football Podcast with your host, Joe Harris. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Chopped Guillotine Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Harris, and I am back with your absolute favorite podcast series on the internet. These are the Bring Out Your Dead exit interviews here on the Chopped Guillotine podcast. We have, as some of you are probably already aware, most of you are already aware, we run three different guillotine leagues for this podcast to make sure that we have loads and loads of content to give to you each and every week. And today we have the highlight, the pinnacle of that content, we are sitting down with all three of the people who, sadly, just this most recent Tuesday morning, had their heads severed from their bodies and all of their players dropped onto the wafer wire. Now, full disclosure, one of these men is me. It happened. Uh, you know, I've got three times more of a chance to end up on this show compared to anyone else who I'm in a league with. You might say, Joe, that's lazy statistics. I might say you're correct. But at the end of the day, I am very sad to report that, yes, the second interview that you'll be listening to today is an interview of myself. I I won't try to explain it any further. I do a, I'm sure I do a pretty good job of that later on in the episode. I mean, we almost had a situation where there were two joe harris interviews because in one of the other leagues i'm in there was a we we came very close to a disaster i had to make a move at the last minute and even that move at the last minute was just barely enough to keep me alive we're gonna break down in a future episode moves like that what you should be looking for and how you might be able to extend your life artificially, even when the fantasy football gods have decided that maybe it's your time to perish and to be chopped. But that's not what we're here for in today's episode. Today's episode is specifically for the men who perished tragically and had untimely deaths. And I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let these interviews and the people speak for themselves. And you are going to sit back, relax, and enjoy as you hear the absolute tragic tales of three fine gentlemen and what happened to them this past Sunday. And we're here with our first interview of the day. I'm sitting down with my good friend, Mason. I don't want to mess up and mispronounce your last name. Give it to me. Cleithermis. Cleithermis. Thank you. A mix between a clitoris and a thermos. Mason, how are you doing today? Uh, pretty sad, but kind of glad I don't have to manage three fantasy teams anymore. You know what? That That's pretty reasonable. I do understand that. I'm I'm in a kind of similar boat to you. I'm not sure if you heard the news, but I'm going to be interviewed as well on this podcast yes. later today. Yeah. It was... Um, the, the, how many leagues were writing is catching up. Yep. It kind of is, but that's Even okay. It, it lets me... It's going to let me streamline into just, you know, two of my three leagues and then give coverage on and the other the number one overall pick in how many of them, so... Um, oh yeah, I we were we were in a rebuilding year. We're rebuilding. we're gearing up to win the league to win it all next year. All right. sure that was the plan. So Mason, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Chopped Guillotine podcast, but 
on days like today where we sadly have to interview three unfortunate fine young gentlemen about what went wrong for them we like to start with their draft tell me what happened when you were on the clock well i think i had the 10th overall pick somewhere around there from anywhere between 9 and 9 and 12 i think mm-hmm. i saw cooper cup come up didn't read the injury reports didn't know how serious the hamstring was and first round i unfortunately picked up my guy cooper cup Ooh. and when i saw he went on ir i cried a little bit that's reasonable but that was completely after the draft um once i first drafted this team i thought it would be a struggle to get to a point where i can get cooper cup in the lineup and then it might be smooth sailing but that's just like obviously not going to happen after only two weeks but I obviously went for the uh, hero RB strategy, or yep. the no RB strategy, picking up Cooper Cup and DK Metcalf on the snake. And then I went in the third round of the quarterback. So the RBs might have killed me this year, but my strategy going in was find guys who are going to score a lot of points and mm-hmm. hope and pray. That you can just cobble together the running backs. The running backs can get me 20 points. Yeah, totally. And, you know, that that's something that – we talk about on this show as a strategy we definitely like the hero rb approach a little bit more just because whenever you have someone who can like anchor that position you're not struggling to fill two slots Mm -hmm. and it leaves you open to like more flex options it leaves you open to having backup running backs on your bench starting to pop off that you can put in there but you know it to each their own and to a lot of people death so what i obviously my strategy was completely wrong this year but you know it's for information for next year it sure is if only there was a podcast out there that you Mm -hmm. could have listened to that had that had three whole episodes about draft strategy yeah Mm -hmm. that would have been interesting that would have been nice so this was a three wide receiver wasn't it yep two running back three wide receiver and one flex and a tight end, which bleh, throw up in my mouth. Can we just stop with tight ends? I think we should stop with tight just ends. Just super flexing with tight ends. Ooh. Just have a tight end because you know, that would make basically Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews viable mm-hmm. in a flex spot. Right. Because they're just better than running backs when they score 25. Je- yeah, and easily. You're not find a flex that's scoring 25 unless it's mm-hmm. up within a two Exactly. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. I, I'm a firm believer, and I've said this on the show multiple times, that when Travis Kelsey retires, I think we should just retire the tight end position out of fantasy football yeah. entirely. I don't know. Brock Bowers, when he comes in the league, hmm? everyone's going to be on him like that. Sam Laporta, I mean, they're starting to revive his tight end I would position, love, even coming in out of college. So I would love Bowers to see guys. them revive it. It would make me very happy. But until it's revived, mm-hmm. it's simply dead. It simply is, but... I like what this year's rookies, tight ends, bringing Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta. Yeah, Luke Musgrave looks good out there. Yes, first um, team was a second year guy, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, some of these younger tight ends, they're starting to teams are starting to realize what this Travis Kelsey role in the slot can do. They are, and uh, those are those are really good pickups to stash at the back of your bench too, because your starting Laporta. tight end probably sucks, mm-hmm. and so, so maybe one of these one guys does good. Sam Laporta dropped 11 points with no touchdowns. That's ninety percent. Or is 80, 80% of mm-hmm. And now no more Amon Ross St. Brown probably coming up this week. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he's gonna make an appearance on the start sit episode. You can you can just see it. And so coming out of the draft, you know, you you knew that you had some holes to fill. Was there anyone in the league, perhaps, who offered you a trade that maybe would have kept you alive right about now, Mason? I don't think so because said person who offered me trades was trading me guys that I just don't think any of them would have even made the starting roster. Mm. So that was my input on that. Maybe one guy was intriguing me on the starting roster. Yeah. And I really thought about it. But, you know, I saw Aaron Jones was out and I trusted AJ Dillon in the flex spot. Uh-huh. But, you know, the Packers just decided to blow that entire game and blow my $5 on themselves. Tale as old as time, truly. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it does pain me to see such an interesting draft strategy not pay off. I think you could have done very well if you accepted one of the trade offers that I sent your way. But here we are on a podcast instead of on the trade block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can move on from that. What were your, um, what were your emotions? What were you feeling on Sunday? Um, I'm personally going to say the day was Monday because I had one hope and one hope only, and his name was Donovan Peoples Choke Jones. <laughs> I was sitting okay. My probability of becoming a last was not there because mm-hmm. of another person in this league. He had the Saints defense. Yep. And I had Donovan Peoples Jones. And basically, I had to beat the Saints defense with Donovan Peoples Jones with mm-hmm. a couple points to spare. And Donovan Peoples Jones got one catch for seven yards. He did. And that'll that'll happen when. And a PI call or a holding call should be called the last play of the game. Refs in the NFL <laughs> just don't see anything anymore. They sure don't. Not on the last play. Except when Juwan Johnson jumps early. Mm, they see that. Very true. He's a jumper. Mm-hmm. He's a jumper for sure. Put him in track. <laughs> Call the Olympic team. Get him on the line. All right. And so um, this is the part of the interview where we would like to talk about the best moves, the best pickups. Who, since you didn't have quite the opportunity, which is very sad because that's one of the most exciting parts of guillotine. Dropping the bag. Dropping the bag. What uh, what do you make of the moves that were made on your players? I see you've got it pulled up right here. Yeah. Um. Not going to name names. I could. I mm-hmm. just don't know the names. But dropping 116 fab for Alexander Madison is one that really pops off the screen. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't like the situation in the offense that is happening up in Minnesota right now. Mm. Um, they're getting the ball to the wide receivers, and I really like that for the wide receivers because they have a very talented wide receiver. They do. Their pass catchers are great. KJ. We got KJ. It's his face. Jake Jettas. They got Jordan Addison. Mm-hmm. Jordan Addison's playing great that's out there. TJ Hawkinson. That, uh, oh, that's. All four of their ends. pass catchers' name end with Sun. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed that. Nah, KJ Osborne, though. No. Nah. Madison. Mm. Madison, though, no, did catch passes because. He'll catch him someday, I believe. <laughs> Hopefully he's dropping. I hope and I pray. 116 fab form, fab form is a, quite an odd number, though. It is. Um, I came to the conclusion I was the one who purchased Alexander Madison for mm-hmm. roughly 20% of a budget. Uh, the logic behind it was almost everyone needs a running back. I'm going to get the running back. And if someone gets desperate, I can get way more than 116 out of them. Mm-hmm. 
And what really sticks off, $4 for Joshua Dobbs. $4 for Josh legacy, Dobbs. Legacy game. That man <laughs> decided to pull against the New England uh, New York Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, what a tank job from the Cardinals organization. I even saw a meme about it. Really? They were memeing about the, the tank job that was going on with Joshua mm-hmm. Dobbs and the quote-unquote crying that they did, and then they were showing the camera happy face because they're still 0-2 and they're still in the running for the Exactly. I, I saw someone say that, wow, it's almost as if Someone talked to the Arizona Cardinals at halftime and told them lose this fucking game. Pretty much, same thing happened in Houston last year. With, oh, uh, sure neck did. Mills. Neck Mills, neck wild. Man's got a neck. Mm-hmm. And there, I mean, I, I was really, I was trying to ask you this question as a softball for the for the big name acquisition that was made. What a yeah! Wow, um, bro used. What is that? 75? 65. 60%. 450 of his 500 fat. What? Where? We got two from the, from the same player. We got 450 oh for two of my players. That That's is 90%. I didn't see the second edition. Yeah. So AJ Dillon and, and DK, DK Metcalf. 90% of a budget. This I, I gave him a little teaser last night. I was giving guys a little teaser last night and what not to do. Oh, yeah. So we might have a podcast guest for next week. <laughs> He's been on the block twice already. He has. He has, and he has escaped elimination and he has seen and he is putting his poker chips on AJ Dillon and DK Metcalf. That is for sure. Surely nothing can go wrong by no. putting all your chips on the table on a guy with less than three yards per carry and a guy with injured ribs. Bingo. Well, we're going to wrap this interview up. I'm going to give Mason here the floor with just any closing thoughts, any call-outs for the league mates, perhaps for the players on your team who let you down, because as you know, every player in the NFL actually listens to this podcast, Mm -hmm. so I'm 100% certain they will hear what you have to say about their performance. The floor is yours. Well, I'm going to first off and say don't do my strategy. Defensive-wise, I'm fine. Which team has the worst offense? And then get the defense that is playing against them because the Giants will put negative two points and Joshua Dobbs will have a new legacy game. But, you know, that strategy has worked for me for two years and under the pressure of the guillotine, it didn't. It didn't. Um, Justin Herbert, he's actually been playing better. He's been my quarterback in much every year in the fantasy league. Chuck Adams in only 22 a game. Don't mind the play for Justin Herbert. And the price for Justin Herbert, only 55. Yeah. That was a good whoever picked him. Whoever that was me. Up, that was me. Jay Hurd <laughs> got himself a deal by getting Geno Smith on the roster too. You know, I I selected to drop Geno Smith just because I genuinely didn't think the the trick that the offer was going to go through, mm-hmm. and it did. So here we are. And go get him again. I can. He's going to be a viable. He, he was a viable. He actually passed up Justin Herbert on my roster last year. Geno Smith. Yeah. Drop viable. Mm-hmm. Quarterback he was. So, pick up Joshua Dobbs. He's going to have a legacy game. He's going to have another. It's going to be it's great. It's going to be another one at some point. MVP Joshua Dobbs incoming. Yep. But they're still going to go over 16. Probably so. Team. Yeah. So, that's all the ranting I got. I got most of the ranting done earlier. But. You did. You know, it. it's a very cathartic experience for everyone involved. I'm about to experience it myself mm-hmm. here, in, here in an hour or so when I record my own exit interview. Mason. 
it was great having you on the podcast. Thank you very much, not yeah. only for participating in the league, but being a good sport about it, coming through and talking about, you know, what went right, what went wrong, and where mm-hmm. our listeners can hopefully learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. So with that, we're going to wrap up this interview, and you'll hear me in the next one. What's going on, listeners of the Chopped Guillotine Fantasy Football Podcast? I am your host for this segment, Spitfire Lucas Parrish. It is an honor that Joe has allowed me to pull out the old fantasy football podcast voice and character here. I, uh, back in the day, had my own podcast. So, uh, Joe, I'm, I'm really excited to be here and really excited to interview the next loser, you. Yeah. You're the next loser. I'm aware, Lucas. You I, don't have to remind me. I, oh, I'm going to remind you a lot of times. You you, you took an Ellen week, too. Now, there is nothing more embarrassing than an Ellen week. Uh, You're right. That's well known. Mm-hmm. A week two loss gets forgotten. The second worst team, nobody remembers. They really they, does. They just remember the worst team. So as long as you make it past week one, you embarrassment-wise, you are in a much better spot. Yeah, I don't feel super embarrassed. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you're in three leagues. Like, you've got different teams in every league. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I will be intrigued to kind of get into someone who knows guillotine fantasy football to yeah. the extent that you do. I, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to hear what went wrong. What, where, where were the issues? You are big mm-hmm. on making trades for um, oftentimes injured players for, and, and kind of not necessarily injured, but, but really helping people out who you get more value in return typically. Right. But oftentimes it's at the expense of your week, your week right there. Did that have anything to do with it or, or talk me through how, how you lost this week? Um, it really did not. I knew that right after I lost J.K. Dobbins, I was going to have to make some moves for running backs, mm-hmm. and I did so successfully in all of my in both of my other leagues. And the the move that I made to get a running back in this league, I acquired Samaj P. Ryan. Okay. And that was it was a last second ad because the first four people who I went to who had extra running backs just were unwilling to trade. Because was your what is your reputation? Did did that hurt you in that case of of your reputation? Typically, you're the the quote unquote savior who swoops in to save them for a week, but kind of screw them for the rest of the season. Did that harm your ability to make a deal in the, your time of need? You know, it. I think it definitely did. I think especially because two of the people said no. I hope you lose. Yeah. When I when I tried to <laughs> make an acquisition, it. that'll do it. That was a that was a rough one. But what really got me is I had a deal in place to acquire Javante Williams that I felt really good about. And then the guy who had Javante Williams, he then went to another manager and said, can you beat this deal? Yeah, which you recommend people do. I recommend they do for a huge, like, big-name player. I don't know how big name Javante Williams is. I mean, if he got a better deal, then I would say that what oh, he, he did was, was yeah, correct. He got a much better deal. He acquired Cooper Cup for Javante Williams. Straight up? Straight up. And he didn't need Javante Williams to start? Nope. Okay. Yeah, I mean, then then yeah. Now, uh, there are question marks, obviously. Will Cooper Cup play? I mean, just not. He will play at some point, but when? I well, don't. I don't think it especially matters because the manager who acquired Cooper Cup then went and gave Cooper Cup plus a spot of fab for Tyreek Hill. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's who that had to be brutal for that manager who gave up Tyreek Hill. I I guess I guess we don't know, but I will like we'll to see. say they're doing better than you. They are. They're still you're, alive. You're 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 sitting here. So, they're still cooking. So the running back position, especially in guillotine, is is so is so weak. 
kind of yeah. looking over your shoulder at your team, you also had Alexander Madison. And mm-hmm. that's that's just been a, a brutal start to the season. It has, and I knew that the matchup was going to be kind of rough. Normally, when uh, the Minnesota Vikings have played a tough run defense, their running backs have still been able to produce pretty well, even when it was Alexander Madison, yeah. the replacement of Dalvin Cook. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He was a must start right. every week that he was that Dalvin Cook was out. Yeah. Alexander Madison became an RB one typically, and it didn't matter who they played. Yep. Because they would check down to the running back yep. whenever their offensive line was falling apart. And that was often. Yeah. And it was <laughs> often this year, too. <laughs> yep. I, I still view Alexander Madison as a good buy-low candidate. I reacquired him in another guillotine league because oh, I'm not I'm not going to let one thing, you know, phase me. He looks good. He does. He looks great. I also, going into the draft, I knew I wanted to come out of it with three running backs that I was comfortable starting. At the time, I did. I drafted J.K. Dobbins, Alexander Madison, and Jeff Wilson Jr. Okay. Jeff Wilson Jr. immediately went on IR yep. the next day, and then with the loss of with the loss of J.K. Dobbins, I was in a tougher spot than I wanted to be. Yeah. First off, I'm not a J.K. Dobbins fan across the board. I did not draft J.K. Dobbins anywhere, largely because lucky you. No, well, I mean, obviously, I can't predict injuries. I'll never never fault you for that, but. Right. That running back position for the Ravens has never, not never, but has not produced for several years now. It's because their RB1 is also their quarterback. You could argue that. You could also say that the reason that it hasn't produced is because they've just been cycling through dudes. Yep, all that's the time. also true. And in large part because J.K. Dobbins might be made of glass. He might be. Have we have we checked to make sure that it's not just glass under those clothes? I haven't personally that, gotten in there, no, but like I've, I've heard. But have rumors. you wanted to? Yeah. Okay. Several times. Yeah, understandably so. But you, but you, you still drafted him, even though you knew there's a fifty percent chance he might be made of glass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in in guillotine, I'm way more injury agnostic, just yeah. because you know you're trading players around basically all the time. It's oh, kind of like it's a game of hot potato, and he was just. He was just hot when I held him. You know, and looking at the rest of your team, Tyler Higby obviously thought, we thought he would kind of step in more for the Rams. We did, and, you know, I I should have realized the same trend that was happening towards the end of last year. Yeah. Which was whenever the Rams play a really good pass rush, their offensive line just isn't good enough to hold up to it. Mm -hmm. And so instead of having Tyler Higby run routes, they keep him into block. They played against San Francisco. They can't block Nick Bosa without Tyler Higby double teaming him. That was that that was an error in the formula on my part. Is that a big reason as to why a lot of teams don't have tight ends that produce at a consistent level? Because when they when when these teams these offensive lines go up against a great defensive line, they just can't hold up. Yeah, I mean that's why George Kittle has struggled so long because he just is used. He's such a good blocker, right? That I mean he pancakes dudes. Yeah, I love watching the George Kittle pancake compilations. Like he just, it's so much fun, but you don't score fantasy no, points for pancakes. I, I wish you did. We should consider that you're you're anti your or your pro minus points for kicker misses. Yeah. You should also be pro points for defensive end pancakes. You know, once ESPN starts tracking stats <laughs> yeah. on tight ends for defensive end pancakes, I'll add it in. Yeah. So, kind of looking back, what what would you have done different? I would have started Jerome Ford. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not talking injuries. That's yes. You would not have started Jerome Ford. No, I would. Well, I, I guess you would have if you hadn't made that trade for Samaje Piran. No, I would have. He, was, so he was in the lineup. Because I had nowhere else to go. And that would have saved you. It would have. 
Man, that's ooh, that's brutal. Craziness. You know, it's great to have him on your bench, except right. It'll be on the waiver wire now. It is on the waiver wire now. I'm I'm gonna see for how much money he goes for tonight. It'll be pretty interesting. Yeah, I I imagine a lot. I mean, not you on your podcast yesterday. You talked about not being a cream hunt fan. That Jerome Ford, you expect to be the guy there. I do. I don't expect them to have a good week against the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, that's a great run defense. Bad pass defense. But, yeah, Kareem Hunt just signed with the Browns. I don't see him being much there. The, the Browns already chose Jerome Ford over Kareem Hunt. Yep. They made that Part decision. of it could have been money. Kareem Hunt would have likely required more money than Jerome Ford. A little. But I guess at some point when Kareem Hunt wasn't signed by anybody else, he required right. less money. Much less money. So, but like they, they have already said with their actions and with their words, they want Jerome Ford to be the dude. I'm not worried about Kareem Hunt. If you've got Kareem Hunt on your bench, now is your is your sell high window. Yeah, and I believe in that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, as uh, as far as what I would have done differently, I I feel like the formula for most of for most of the picks in the draft was there. You know, I drafted guys who ended up getting immediately injured, and that's rough. Yeah, that and that's always that's a part of fantasy football. Mm-hmm. There's always that that risk, especially if you choose an injury agnostic strategy. And I understand why in guillotine early season, you know, you don't expect Aaron Rodgers to tear his Achilles on the fourth play. No, totally not. And and that's that's what did in, in my league. I am not in this league. I'm in another league where where Ethan Gonzalez was our first week loser, and it was because Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles four yeah. plays into the game. That's I mean Craziness. that's that's something you know, but. It, it's a part of fantasy football. It is. And it's going to happen every year, and you're always going to have guys who get screwed because of injuries. Mm-hmm. I'm 0-2 in a league with a very injury-riddled team. It's a great team, but injury-riddled plus Jamar Chase has not been a winning formula. That doesn't sound like a winning formula. So yeah, I've got Mark Andrews, but it, he does not make up for Brandon Knight's injury, Jamar Chase being Jamar Chase, and mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara suspended. It's, it's, you know, it's a team that will be good once we stop dealing with injuries. Yeah. But um, in guillotine, you don't really have that luxury to wait until you're done dealing with injuries. No, you really don't. And you know, you you kind of got you kind of got screwed there. So you know, one more one more question: um, Do you feel unqualified to continue this podcast now that you've taken such an early and I would add embarrassing L? Well, I think we established earlier on in this interview that it's not that embarrassing. It's not the most embarrassing. No one, no one th- remembers. There's a big there's a big gap between first week loss and second week loss. We established that. Yeah. There is a gap between every other loss though and second week loss. Like it's the second most embarrassing. It's not nearly as embarrassing as week one, but it is still the second most embarrassing way to go out in your league. It is. It I'm not remembered. All that, right. Like, you know, nobody remembers who lost the Super Bowl in 2015. He's trying to think about it. No, it's okay. I'm not going to waste time on that's, that. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, but it's not like like top of mind. I get you. So, you know, it's a second second best, second worst. Mm-hmm. Either way, or no one remembers who the second overall pick was, you know, in 2015. Like, it's it's just one of those things where it, it's, it's worst and best. That's who people remember. Yep. If you're somewhere in the middle, and, and that's kind of good advice to, to everybody out there. If you make it past week one, but you don't make it very far, it's still better than not making it past week. Right. I, I think that part of the philosophy, too, is I don't think I was winning this league anyways just mm. because of there were four trades that went down leading up to this week that I looked at and I just said, I cannot possibly compete with these teams unless I pull some shit out of my ass. Yeah. 
I mean, it's possible as the season goes on, and right. if you use Fab right and the right people get out, mm-hmm. but but it is it, it does put you at a disadvantage. I I would have had to outmanage four people who were just light years ahead of me based on their team. I um, Grant Himmelman who lost first, almost lost first again. Yeah, he lost first last year. He was second to last um, in week one this year. He sent Christian Kirk and. Marvin Jones Jr. and he acquired Aaron Jones and Amari Cooper. No way. For just those two guys. Are you serious? I'm no fab. Serious. No fab involved either. He has Travis Kelsey. He now has Aaron Jones and another running back who I can't remember. Najee Harris. So, ooh. But <laughs> oh gosh. Whatever. That's brutal. And then he has CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper plus whoever the fuck else he drafted after his first round pick that was Travis Kelsey. Yeah. That's... So. Man, yeah, that's a that's a good team. So you know, it's it's tough, but if you pulled off trades like that, mm-hmm. you know, you'd compete. At the same time, it's much more difficult for you to pull off trades like that, right? Because you know, no one's gonna think the guy who got out first last year is gonna fleece them. Everyone's gonna think the disputed champion of last year's league will fleece them. That's very true. So even the, most of the people who I traded with yeah. last year ended up. Doing very well. And that's what you say, but and that's that's the problem. Like with these two for one trades, you talk about. Yes, it makes both teams better, but does it matter if your team gets better if your chance of winning gets lower? So like, maybe I shouldn't say your chance of winning gets lower, but your chance of winning is the trade makes your chance of winning not better. Like the whole thing. So like when you're trading for a better player, you're giving up two players. Those are typically two players they can put in their starting lineup, which will equal more points than what they could otherwise have with the better player and the other player that they would start. Yeah. But when you spread out the points like that and you get the better player and you accumulate a team a, a team of the better players, then nobody else has a shot. It's You're, you're going to run away with it. I mean, ideally. And so, that, yeah. That's what you want to see. We're talking theories here. This the, is not reality. Right. Not perfect reality. But the idea is there. And so that's, that's where it's – while it benefits both teams – the second team that trades away the better player, well, they may not be in a good spot to begin with, and then they have to do it. Right. They're not going to win. Not they, with making deals like that. They very well could. There there was an example last year where I traded with Jack McGrath. I yeah. gave him five players to keep him alive, and he gave me Austin Eckler, the RB1. And he and I were the last two yeah. teams alive in the league. Like, That's true. It, it's more about giving yourself the opportunity to be there at the end. Because if you're there at the end, anything can happen. Yeah, and in guillotine, you know, with, with fab, free agent budget, and, and players constantly being dropped, you, you can make up for that a lot better than in another league. Absolutely. So, Joe, I, I appreciate you coming on to my podcast. Shut the fuck speaking up. Of, speaking of, um, I, I'm pretty sure you, you said earlier that, you know, you're, you're such an embarrassment, you can't continue to run this podcast. So um, can I just get confirmation that this is my podcast now? We'll talk about that more off the air. <laughs> well, Joe, I, it's been a blast talking with you, a blast to get back here in the lab um, oh to, my God. to discuss fantasy football. Uh, and, yeah, I, I appreciate it. And I'm really glad you lost because the comedic value, it's it's unspoken. No, how it, wonderful that is. It's pretty excellent. I I recognize the irony. I just know that I'm going to come back stronger. I'm That's just, right. Now I can devote all of my attention to my other two leagues, and I will win them both. That well, you 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 will get second in one of them. No. Yep. I'll win them both. I'll stop. I'll stop this interview right now. Uh, you will not. I have the button. I will. I, I will, press the button. I will. It-
And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, very sorry for any confusion or fear that may have come uh, towards the end of that last interview. Lucas Parrish, he, he had thoughts, he had feelings, and I, I just had to cut it off short. But I assure you I'm okay. I made it out safe. I believe I am still in sole possession of this podcast. If anything changes, I will be certain to update each and every one of you the second I know. But moving on from that... We have our third and final guest of the show, my good friend, Jared Vandershee. Jared, how are you feeling today, bud? You know, I've always wanted to be on the show, but it, I didn't want it to come in this fashion, let alone in week two. At least if it was somewhere halfway through the season, I would have been a little more excited. But regardless, I'm still happy to be on the show. You know, we're happy to have you on, especially because I was really hoping to get some of your players off your team. But, oh, um, yeah, I'm sure. So, Jared, whenever we whenever we do these episodes, we like to you know start it start at the root of the problem, right? And this early in the season, the root of the problem is pretty clearly the draft. Yeah, well, what? or the the illegal trades that were made on Sunday night or Monday night. I don't want to hear it. Tell me about your draft. Don't talk to me about. Okay. It. Okay. Um, let, let me talk about the my own trades. So this all went wrong in a Culver's parking lot somewhere on my way from Missouri to my house in Illinois. So that's that's the start of the problem. I was not in the right draft mentality. You know, I think a lot of problems start that yeah. way. And the second problem was I took Patrick Mahomes at number seven overall. Mm-hmm. That really limited my other position groups. Yeah, that's... as seen by my running back too, who was Elijah Mitchell, who put up a fat zero. He did. Christian McCaffrey had one hundred percent of the running back snaps, which is in just beyond me because I was told that they'd put him on a snap count, and that never happened. No. So, so they're gonna run him until he get tears an ACL or something. They were too busy trying to win. And the second where it went wrong was pick number thirty. I took. I reached a little bit on Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. He was solid for me in week one. He put up 24 points. Yeah. Uh, my team only scored 100 points in week one, so him and Patrick Mahomes combined for half my points. But in week two, he only put up 4.3, I believe it was. That's rough. So, and at this point, there's already a deficiency in the running backs gone, as my running back one was Rashad White. Mm-hmm. So I took no, him at number 43 overall. Rashad White did well. Yeah, that's not bad. He played Chicago, so it's kind of a free square. Yeah, but in a three wide receiver league, yeah, it's it's a little. It got it got thin pretty fast, especially with eighteen people in the league. Mm-hmm. So after that, I took Chris Godwin, who I thought was a solid pick, and I'd take him again. He he put up ten points. Yeah, I don't think you can as wide receiver too. And then mistake, I think the biggest mistake of the draft was taking Brandon Cooks at number 79, who has been a non-factor oh, in yeah. the Dallas offense so far. I mean, he was getting a lot of tread in week one, but the the injury, I think it was a rib injury. Yeah. Some sort of upper body injury, if I remember right. But yeah, it's it's really tough when one of the guys that you draft to be a starter, you yeah. know, misses any sort of time. Yeah. It puts you in a bad situation just because everyone needs starters, Correct. you know? Yeah. So then, then I drafted Cole Komet, who I think is still a solid tight end, you know, around eight points a game. Not, I'm not expecting the world from him. My next pick was Adam Thielen, who would have been a lifeline this week if Adam he Thielen wasn't would have on been my so great. bench. So that was, that was a little rough. You and know, then, I, I really, though, I don't blame you for not wanting to start the 32-year-old wide receiver who, yeah. you know, plays with a rookie quarterback in a bad O-line. Like, it, yeah. it tracks. 
You know, but I I did start Robert Woods this week, so I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, I thirteen points, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, but here's the here's the other problem is I waited way too long to draft a running back too, because like I mentioned previously, Elijah Mitchell oh, yeah. was not running back too. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I went Devon Ashante Ashane, the Miami running back. Devon Ishane. Ishane, yes. And then Curtis Samuel. And then I actually drafted the Eagles defense special teams. because so I was like, you know, it's just Georgia 2.0. Right. Like, they are so criminally underrated on ESPN Fantasy. They were. So, might I, as well I, take think an elite the, level. I think they were worried about the matchups early on. Yeah, the matchups early on were tough. I think they, they only got six points this week, mm-hmm. which isn't bad, but definitely could have done a little better with that. Could have, I should have just streamed the defense. Um, and also, I think... At this point in the draft, I messed up by taking a few too many rookies. I took Luke Musgrave, the yeah. Green Bay tight end. I like that Luke was, Musgrave. Yeah, but that would have been a good pick next year um, or in a dynasty league. And then my kicker was Jason Sanders. At this point, I got Robert Woods, who I think was quite a steal. And yeah, that's a great spot for Robert Woods. Sam Howell as my backup quarterback. And then Josh Reynolds, who sat on my bench for both Oh, weeks. man. And Chris Boswell is my last pick. Who could have du- saved me this week? You double tapped kicker. Yeah, he could have saved me. He scored twelve points instead of Jason Sanders four. Wow! So that would have made that would have helped you be on your podcast two weeks in a row. However, <laughs> I couldn't let that happen. I yeah, that you. you know what? I, I appreciate you, you know, taking that bullet for me. It's yeah. So that was my draft, and mm-hmm. looking that- back, it was a little rough. But if I had to do it again, I'd do it again. You wouldn't change a thing. Well, okay. <laughs> so, for example, at pick number six, Nick Chubb went. I wouldn't want to draft Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb was the sixth pick in Nick our draft. Nick Chubb was the wow. sixth pick. I've, I've been in a lot of drafts, so yeah. I, I don't have them all down. I should have. Wow. But the pick after me took Tyreek Hill. So that was, that was a swing and a miss. Oh. Yeah, that, that That's was hard to watch. Yeah, Stefan Diggs and Bijan Robinson. I reached way too early at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to target the really high-end quarterbacks when you know it gives you a pretty huge advantage over at least 12 of the teams in your league yeah absolutely i should have approached it more of a uh playoff bracket draft more than a dynasty or i was thinking about it more too much of let's get points 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 and that really screwed me over later in the draft just because it's so deep with Mm -hmm. people yeah absolutely i i see what you mean and, you know, leaving yourself those those holes in your roster, they can come back to bite you. Yes, with my running back, too, who scored zero points mm-hmm. back-to-back weeks. Yeah. You know, it it happens. That's why that's why you listen to the podcast. A handful of the a handful of the picks that you made. Yeah, they were pretty solid. And I got they were. some sleepers from the podcast. Oh, yeah? Except for Deontay Johnson, who's on the IR, which kind of sucks. R.I.P. Deontay. Yeah. But... I mean, we we do have a full three episodes worth of draft advice. If you or anyone um, who you're looking to play fantasy with has not started their guillotine league, because maybe you don't have 18 friends, that's totally reasonable. Definitely give those a listen. It the draft strategies are still real; they're still there, um, and they're holding up so far. Don't be like Jared. I wish I had listened before the draft, not after. Yeah, but hey, we we do appreciate you listening all the same. Yeah. So let's after the draft, 
you know, you're looking at your team. Week one comes and goes. How are you feeling after week one about the status of your team? Did you think you were anywhere near the chopping block? You know, I will be honest. After week one, I was a little nervous. So my projected points for week one were 117. So I was, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortably safe. And I ended up scoring 103 points. It was at this point where I should have realized I should have invested a little bit of fab into maybe a, a running back too. Probably I think so, that yeah. Would have, that would have helped a lot. Um, but I was trying, I, what I should have done was listen to the podcast because then it would have told me mm-hmm. to spend a little bit to save a lot later. Yeah. So, Damn right. so I, I went out with $500 because I didn't spend any. And I know, if it's I had spent scene. even 200 I would still be in the league. Right. So... So I, after week one, I absolutely should have spent a little bit of money just to shore up my, uh, my like the, the main glaring hole on my roster to at least put me in that plus 10 point safe zone. Yeah. If it's, I, yeah. yeah. It, it's totally fine to come out of the draft with a hole on your roster, but it's pretty rough to go into week one or week two yeah. with that hole still on your roster. Week one, it's a little more reasonable because you don't actually know if it's a hole. Yeah. You don't know if there's multiple holes. You don't know what your team is. But by the time you get to week two, it's time to, you know, start shoring up the defenses. If you're listening to this, it's time to start shoring up your defenses. Absolutely. Except for spending $250 on Patrick Mahomes. Yep. We we saw that one. We saw that one happen in our league just this morning, actually. Patrick Mahomes tragically dropped onto the wire and he was swooped up for a full 50% of the starting fab budget. Um, We don't recommend that here at all like go get your guy i respect it the guy who got him is a big chiefs fan so like it makes sense but a little bit of an overpay that's you know what if if the next closest bid is a full 100 dollars lower than what you spent yeah you overpaid keep that in mind normally now this is the part where we get to the best moves the best trades that were made I'd argue there was a best trade against me that I don't entirely agree with. Mm, okay, it, now I'm going to ask you this. If you were in the position of the person who made that trade. Absolutely, I'd make that trade. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't disagree. I thought it was a very <laughs> smart move. However, as the person who is experiencing mm-hmm. the loss, mm-hmm. I don't agree with it. But I would make the same move. Okay. So I think it's, I think it's a fair trade after I had a, a sleep. Um, you slept on it. You decided I, I you can forgive me. Yeah, if this podcast happens uh, Monday night, maybe I may have uh, been a little more feisty about it. Ooh, but maybe I should have recorded I, I think on Monday it was, night. It was a smart move, and I was told earlier in that day with the person who owned Chris Olave, who played Monday night, that he was thinking of trading him. I should have traded for him then and there, or at least given Fab not to trade him. That would oh, been interesting. So a. Uh, I'd give a hundred fab to not trade him to you. Wow, that's a take. I I haven't heard that one come up before. I don't. I'm surprised it hasn't happened earlier. Like I'm surprised Jordan didn't inquire because it was yeah. it was Connor, Jordan, and I who were all studying, and Jordan and I were on the chopping block, and we were like, "Oh, Joe's so far behind; he'll be fine. He just has Elijah Moore." At that point, we should have been like, "We'll each put in fifty fab just to ensure that Joe is eliminated." Whoa, that's pretty spicy. I'm. 
I'm going to say I'm okay with that, actually. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have anything against bribing someone. As, as long as the only bribe is coming from, like, Fab, yeah. yeah, fantasy resources, You, I firmly believe you can. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's what, I, in hindsight, that's what I should have done. I didn't do it. I think that would have been a very interesting that's thing it. to send to the chat. I that's solid. I paid Connor $100 to make no moves tonight. Wow. So I, I really hope that plays out. That's great. We we might see it. You might have just spoken something into existence that opened fucking Pandora's box, and that would now be awesome. the leagues will never be the same. You know who I see doing that is Lucas. I feel like Lucas would. Absolutely oh yeah, yeah. Lucas Lucas is my biggest op. If I ever get in trouble again, yeah, he he's will, he will he's gonna bribe people. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think I would be okay with crowdfunding the bribe. I think it would have to be one person yeah. footing the bill. So then it can't be like everyone decides, no, this person's going to go out. Because I think that is when you get towards collusion. But like, yeah. it, if you're going to pay someone to not make a trade, no, nah, that tracks. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Anyone I'm, in my leagues, if you're listening, I'm okay with that. Make it happen. That'd be awesome. Just that to see in the sick. chat, it's just like... <laughs> Uh, Connor cannot trade tonight. I just sent him a hundred fab. So have fun. That's crazy. But the circumstances too is you need someone with a Monday night player who has guaranteed themselves yeah. a win. No, it, it's pretty rare to find that. So I, I feel like we should go back real quick. I I was in trouble. Actually, I I talked about this towards the beginning of the podcast, but still, people have short yeah. memories. I was in trouble going into Monday night. I had Elijah Moore in my flex. I went to the manager who had Chris Olave because he put up 160 points already. He was perfectly safe. And I was like, what will it take for me to turn Elijah Moore into Chris Olave? And he was like, I'm really worried. I don't want to trade for Fab. I want to make sure that I still have players on my team and I can't get outbid by someone doing something stupid. And I'm like, what if I give you enough money to outbid everyone anyways? And he was like, no, I'm still not comfortable. What if you gave me Garrett Wilson? And I said, okay. You got it. And so he sent me Olave for more straight up. And then I sent him, you know, I agreed to the Garrett Wilson trade in addition to that. And then Garrett Wilson went through on Tuesday. See, I, I don't, I, it's so tough because you were playing two players. So Garrett Wilson was already locked into your roster. He was, yeah. And then you added a player who shouldn't be on your team. I'd argue trade shouldn't happen. That trade should not have processed until Garrett Wilson was free to process through. I, I think that it's more of a question of would you rather have the next 16 weeks of Chris Olave yeah. or the next 15 weeks of Garrett Wilson? Yeah. And he chose the next 15 weeks of Garrett Wilson yeah. and Elijah Moore. That's a, that's a tough one because you need an open roster spot and mm -hmm. you have to be find someone who hasn't played on Monday night. Right. Like the, I think a really a really similar way to look at it is like trading a player who has had their bye week in exchange for a player who hasn't had their bye week. And it's yes. like, you know, are these players of the same value? Like if they are, then whoever has already had their bye week, you know, that side's getting the better value. So yeah, he acquired one fewer week of Garrett Wilson's points. Yeah. Effectively. I, I agree with the trade. I think it's a fair trade. It's just the fact that you were able to play two players and while one of them technically wasn't on your team, that's the only thing I find 
maybe I don't necessarily agree with it, mm-hmm. but it would have been so awesome for you to make that trade and then still <laughs> lose. Because <laughs> it was very close. It came no, down it, to the last catch. It did catch. get close, yeah. Cr- uh, Chris Olave's last catch, which came on the Saints' last drive, is actually what put me over the top. Yeah. So that was um, real. I saw that in my room, and I knew Joe was downstairs, and it was a long walk downstairs to give him that handshake. Yeah, but you know, you you did. Yeah. You made that walk. You were a big man. You're a bigger man than some of the people who are playing in these leagues. We've actually yeah. we've had everyone who's gotten eliminated show up for the interview so far, which I'm really impressed by. You know, I put hard money that Lucas does not show up to his interview. I think Lucas would say that's an excellent bet and he would say the reason that's an excellent bet is cuz I'm going to win. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the I like the ego though. It's I do. It'll be funny when he's out week 3. Oh, I'd pay to see that. I would pay, like, not just fab, I'd pay real money. Real cold, hard hard American dollars. What about the Canadian ones? Would you pay any Canadian ones for me? I would because they're worth a lot less. So I could give you a lot more. Pretty fair. And since we don't have anything else to talk about on the trade side, we're going to give Jared Vander... I'm kind of scared doing this. I'm going to give Jared Vandershee the floor. Jared, this is your opportunity to give any closing thoughts to the listeners, to the league, or to the players on your team who may have let you down. Because as you know, every player in the NFL actually listens to this podcast and they will hear everything you have to say. I would like to, well, first of all, I'd like to thank Calvin Ridley for taking the under on his fantasy points because I'm sure he's made that bet because that really did not help me. And then I'd like to secondly... I'd like to secondly thank Elijah Mitchell for not taking a single snap on the field. I was watching that 49ers game. Sometimes I thought I saw him on the field, but no, he was just on the bench. My third thank you comes to Rashad White, who actually put up 21 points. He was the only player on my team that showed up, other than the ones on the bench, because all of the players on the bench showed up. The so, bench players were incredibly good, honestly. So, yeah. My third, mm, actually, I would not. I'd like to also thank Jason Sanders for missing two field goals. One of them was blocked. Either of which would have put me over Joe in the standings. One of them was, yeah, the first one that was blocked was impressive. But the second one was not blocked. He was seeing ghosts, like ghost goalposts, and shanked it way left because he thought it was going to get blocked. So I'd like to thank you for that. Um, uh, who else do I have to thank? You know, Sam Howell, I'd like to thank you. You sat on my bench and put up 20 points each week. I thought that was impressive, especially since you almost outscored. Oh, you did outscore Patrick Mahomes this week. How much did he outscore him? Zero points. 0.06. I don't think that would have changed much. No, it would not have. But for someone who I took number eight overall compared to someone who I took number like the second to last round, I think that's impressive. And I I should have traded Patrick Mahomes for just like 400 fab to... A B C T E. Um, that would have that would have that's a trade that I think would have gone through. I bet I bet you could have gotten eighty percent of someone's fab for Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely, I should have made that trade. Is there anything, Jared, that you want to say to the people who are still alive? If you have money, spend it. It's it sucks being here with five hundred dollars that is now worthless. You actually don't have the $500 anymore. I, I put okay. it down to zero. So it's like a kid in a candy store that just keeps saving and saving his money. Like $10 when you're 10 is worth so much more than when you're 20. 
So spend it now while you have the chance and while it's actually worth something. Wow. So. What a beautiful analogy. Jared, thank you so much for giving so much insight, yeah, not just you. to me, but to all of our listeners. Um, this was our last interview of the day, so I'm actually going to go ahead and wrap up the whole episode. Jared, thank you much for being here. Thank each and every one of you out there for listening, and we'll catch you next time here on the Chopped Guillotine Podcast.